0: Amen. Amen. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. He is risen. Amen. Awesome. I'm going to invite those of you at the Bellingham campus, would you please stand? Those at Ferndale, would you please stand with us as well? And let's join our hearts together. And let's pray. Father God, thank you that Jesus saves. Thank you that we serve a risen Savior. Thank you that Jesus is here today, alive and well. God, thank you that we can worship him in spirit and in praise. God, thank you that each of us that knows you well can live underneath of a banner of grace that reads, Jesus saves. God, thank you for loving us, saving us. Thank you for enduring Good Friday for us. God, thank you for walking through the difficult days that led up to your death. God, thank you for dying a death we should have died. Thank you for paying a price we could not pay. Thank you for rising victorious in Jesus' name. So God, we come before you today to worship you. On this Easter weekend, we worship the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, and the end. We worship our Savior, our Lord, our God, and our King. We are deeply touched. God, would you touch us deeper today into the bottom parts of our soul? And may we truly be able to shout to Whatcom County, Jesus. We pray these things in your wonderful name, your life transforming name, the name that calms our fears and ignites our passion. We pray this in the name of Jesus and the brothers and sisters of Christ the King Church agreed together and said, amen Amen and amen. If Jesus saves, let's make some noise because it's true and because it's good. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Well, I want everybody in just a few moments to turn around, whether you're at the Bellingham campus or if you're joining us at the Ferndale campus. Let's turn around right now and shake hands with four or five people we didn't drive here with and welcome them here to Christ the King. Well, a happy and blessed Easter to each one of you. I am so glad that you have chosen to join with us. And I do want to welcome those of you that are here at the Bellingham campus. We welcome those who are at the Ferndale campus. And also want to welcome all those of you who join us week by week faithfully online. We're just so unbelievably blessed that you would choose to join us. Thanks for being here. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Christ the King Church, and and I'm just thrilled that you would give us an opportunity to speak into your Easter this year. We just finished watching three real-life stories. The stories you saw on the screens to my right and to my left, and at Ferndale as well, they're personal stories. We didn't buy that video off of some catalog type of a deal. Those three people are a part of Christ the King Community Church. Their stories are being written here. Their stories of transformation are happening right around us. Andy, Betsy, and Mike all started out in church. They were living their lives, but their lives were empty. The emptiness that caused an unbelievably deep despair inside of them. And so they did what most of us do they went looking for answers. The answers that the world gave them only left them more empty. See, the world will tell you this. Just do this, and then you'll be happy. Just try this, and then you'll be happy. Just numb it with this, and eventually you'll be happy. So they went looking, and they ended up, as many of us do, empty. And then they had an encounter with a living Savior named Jesus, and he took what was empty and he began to exchange it for a life that was full. Not perfect, not perfect, but full. Full of joy, full of change, full of questions and full of answers. Full of healing, full of struggle as the old left and the new began to infiltrate their heart. Full of grace, full of forgiveness, full of a brand new life with a new direction and most importantly, a brand new The Bible tells us a story about a man who who started in church. He played by the religious rules. He did exactly what he was told, and all that did was make him unbelievably angry and bitter. His anger and bitterness became focused on a group of people who were following an itinerant Jewish rabbi by the name of Jesus. He hated them for that. He hated Christians. The man thought... What I'm going to do is this. I'm going to exterminate that group of people that's following this man named Jesus. This man thought that the problem of Jesus had been solved when they had him crucified. He thought to himself, Jesus is dead, we're done. Oops. You see, when someone is dead and then they're not dead, things change and word begins to travel quite quickly. This man begins to hear rumors that Jesus is alive. And so his response is to up his effort to exterminate this group of Jesus freaks that in spite of his best efforts seem to be multiplying instead of disappearing. He starts getting upset. I'm trying to get rid of these people and they just keep growing. The more pressure we put on them, the more it seems to expand. That tends to happen when the leader that you're following was dead and now he's not dead. When suddenly everyone thought, this is over, and suddenly it's not over because the guy you put in the ground three days ago is up walking around going, hey, not so fast. This man's name was Saul, and he was empty. He was empty, and I searched for a different term to describe him, but I couldn't find one. Saul was a punk. Don't know how to put it any other way. He was a walking attitude. A walking attitude, and you know what he needed? He needed a mom to come along and give him a look. Have you ever experienced that before? My mom has a look. When she gives it, it, it melts ice and it corrects attitudes instantly. All she needs to do is look at you. And whenever, when I was growing up, when I ever acted like a punk, she just give me the look. And all of the bad stuff would just run away and hide in the dark corners. I saw a look in action a while back at Walmart. I'm telling you this because I believe Saul needed a look. I was at Walmart buying ink for my printer. And I'm watching a big guy, maybe 25, 6'3", 250. Big guy pushing a shopping cart behind this tiny little lady. She's maybe 50, 5'2", a buck 15. Like this. And he's just going along, doing his best to try and look cool while he's pushing a shopping cart. I wanted to say, dude, (laughs) you can't look cool pushing a shopping cart, so don't even try. But he's pushing along behind her, and as the little lady's going in front of her, aisle by aisle, she's picking up stuff and putting it inside of the shopping cart. And every time she puts something in the shopping cart, he critiques it. He critiques it. And I'm hearing him say things, what are you buying that for, Mom? I need some real food. I'm a real man. We need some meat. You need to buy some meat, Mom. A grown man can't live off of the fake food you're putting inside of the cart. And he just keeps muttering and muttering and muttering until finally she had enough, and she turned around and gave him the look. I had to duck, so I didn't get hit by the look. I mean, it's a whoo, right over my shoulder. She finally had enough, walked over to him, and said this, and I quote, When you get out of my basement and get a job then you can buy all the meat you want to but in the meantime shut your mouth and push the cart that's a mom right there i love that mom we all need moments like that we do saul needed a moment like that and he got one not from his mother he actually got it from God Almighty himself. The Bible says Saul's on his way to Damascus, a city, to take out another group of Christians. And on his way, he has a face-to-face encounter with the risen Christ that knocks him on his backside and completely changes the direction of his life. One minute, he Saul the punk, Saul the hitman, Saul the empty. And suddenly he's saved. And transformed by Jesus and he is changed into Paul the Apostle. Paul the Bible writer. Paul the missionary. And most importantly, Paul the full. Paul is the author of a large part of our New Testament. In 1 Corinthians 15, we find Paul's full testimony about the resurrection of Jesus. If you'd like to follow along in your outline, you can follow along as we read the Scripture. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. Ferndale, in just a moment, we're going to go to full screen. You can just follow along as I read it for you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul speaking, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, that He appeared to Peter and then to the Twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, Most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. Paul testifies to the fact that Jesus was crucified. He was buried. He was dead. And then on Easter Sunday morning, he was no longer dead. He was alive, breathing like you and I are right now in this moment. He was suddenly alive. Does everybody get that picture? you got to understand it or you missed the point of Easter. He was dead and then he was not dead. One more time. He was dead and then he became not dead, which means he was alive. That's the conclusion that we get to. Paul testifies that Jesus was seen by a few and then by many. And then Paul testifies that he had seen the risen Christ. That's how he knows. That's how he can speak with such passion as he says to people, you need to understand it. He's alive. Jesus is alive. Paul's life was transformed because the tomb was empty. We've been talking during this series about about how Easter is full of empty, if you read it. Last week, we walked through the empty cries of Palm Sunday. Throughout the week, at Shadow of the Cross and at our Good Friday services, we experienced the empty cup. Then we looked to an empty cross. And now, finally, finally, we get to go to the good part. Because make no mistake, the best part about Easter is that the tomb is not full. It is empty. After Paul's testimony... He shares about his life. He says, Jesus was dead. Now Jesus is alive. I've been completely changed. And then he begins to lay out more of his story. He says, this is what I want you to know. I want you to know what happens inside of us because the tomb is empty. And this is what he teaches. Because the tomb is empty, the first blank in your outline so I can have a second chance. Because the tomb is empty, I can have a second chance. Listen to his words. Now, I want you to remember. Remember all of the history that I told you about. This man was a murderer. This man was trying to kill people like us. And this is what he says. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles. Do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without Paul testifies and then he steps up and he puts his hand in the air. He goes, I want everybody to know I don't deserve to be here because I tried to kill God's followers. God reached to me and I rejected him. I don't deserve to be here. Can I give you my testimony? I don't deserve to be here. I was a rebellious I grew up knowing God's truth. I was taught it my whole life. I grew up in church, but I rejected it. I knew God's truth, but every time he extended it to me, I spit on his hand. I did my own thing for years, and you know how it left me? It left me empty. I deserved to be condemned because of my own sinful choices, and yet Jesus offered me a second chance. Let me tell you the rest of my story. Jesus took an arrogant, lying, insecure storyteller and gave him the opportunity to become a storyteller for Jesus whose favorite story is how God takes insecure, arrogant liars and turns them into pastors. And I love that story. I love it. Paul got a second chance. I got a second chance. Andy, Mike, and Betsy got a second chance. And no matter what you've done, no matter what has happened in your past, no matter how many opportunities you've passed by when Jesus was reaching to you, I want you to know today Jesus offers you another chance to take Him by His hand. The grace of God is available to all of us. The grace of God is what transforms us. The grace of God is what takes us from empty to full. Paul goes on and he says, I need you to know something else. Because the tomb is empty, he wants us to know I can live in the truth. I can live in the truth. I used to live my life by a very different code than I do now. My code was called the truth according to Grant. I don't recommend it for anyone. It doesn't work. My moment of clarity came when I finally realized that my, that, that my truth was leading towards a mess of epic proportions. My favorite question for people as a pastor, when I hear them start talking about what they believe and what they know to be true, I love asking this question. How's that working for you? How's it really working? If you're the end all and the be all and you're operating on your own truth deal, how's that working for you? Paul had a moment of clarity as well when when Jesus knocked him down, literally, and basically peered out of heaven and, and asked a question, my paraphrase out of Scripture. How's that working for you, little man? You don't look so tough right now, dusting yourself off, trying to get your equilibrium back. I'll tell you something. When you're asked the question, how's that working for you, you answer it very, very differently when you're answering it to God Almighty Himself. Paul makes a statement of truth out of, that, uh, out of that mess that he created for himself. He says this in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20. He says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who've fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Paul says, this is what you need to know. I was dead in my sin. I was dead in my interpretation of the truth. I was dead in my own soul. I was dead in my way of doing things. I was empty. But now through Jesus, I can know the truth. And the truth is promised in Scripture to set me free. So my question to you today is this. Do you know the truth of Jesus? The truth of Jesus is this. Jesus came. Jesus lived. Jesus taught. Jesus suffered. Jesus died. And Jesus rose. Jesus rose. He rules. He forgives. Jesus heals. Jesus comforts. Jesus saves. Do you know him? I didn't ask, do you know about him? Do you know him? Paul goes on continues to explain. He says, because the tomb is empty, I don't have to be afraid of death. I love this one because I spent most of my younger years being terrified to die. What in the world's going to happen? I just don't know. I had absolutely no security. I love this one because Paul spent the, the rest of his life on the run. And every time he talked about Jesus, people wanted to kill him. He became very familiar with this topic of death. He says it straight in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. He said this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Game. Paul says, people are always trying to kill me. They're trying to kill me for talking about Jesus. They're trying to kill me because I switched from team Pharisee to team Jesus. They don't like it. And so they're all trying to kill me. Must have driven the people crazy. Paul's just like, go for it. Be my guest. Death is an upgrade. I'm not afraid. If you knock me off, I get to go home. It's hard to scare somebody who actually believes that. He's either nuts, or he knows somebody who beat death once and for all. I love it. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul's starting to feel it just a little bit. He starts trash-talking death. I mean, that would seem a little bit dangerous to us. It's not if you know someone who's beat death once and for all. 1 Corinthians 15 says this. Paul talking. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Paul is talking here. He's testifying. He's saying to death, Death, you used to be the big dog on the block that used to scare everybody, but you're, but you're, you're not so big now. You're not so big now because there was one who you thought you had down, and apparently on Friday it looked like it. But three days later, apparently you're not as powerful as you proclaimed to be because the last time I checked, Jesus is alive. That is amazing to me. Let's keep going. Paul says, "Am I done?" Paul says, "Because the tomb is empty, I get a win. I get a win." I had to laugh at the after the Olympics because I kept hearing my brothers and my sisters from my homeland across the line. I kept hearing them say things like, "We won. We won." I felt like saying, "Wow, you played in the Olympics? Really? I never saw you on the ice anywhere. You didn't break a sweat. You didn't bleed. You didn't suffer. But apparently, you won." And we kind of hear that and we laugh and we go, "Yeah." Paul says to all of us, you did not sweat. You did not bleed. You did not suffer. But through the victory of Jesus, you win. You win. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus a few years back on Good Friday, I was over at Barnes & Noble next door trying to get some fuel for the night. I was coming back and walking across the street corner and the reality was that particular day I was a little down, a little discouraged. I'm a very emotional person in case you can't tell and so Good Friday, it that one hits me really, really deep when I think of Jesus paying that price for me. So I'm standing down here on the street corner, Guide Meridian in View, and a guy comes down this hill behind CTK Bellingham on a bicycle, going about Mach 4, helmet on, tucked behind the handles, and he's just As I look up and see him coming, he yells to me as he goes by, Hey, Grant, don't forget In the end, we win! (sighs) What do we win? Because of Jesus. I want a peaceful heart. I want an enduring presence in the middle of the trials of my life. I want deliverance from things that seem to just wrap itself around my soul. I won forgiveness for the past and hope for the future through the victory of Jesus. We've heard a lot from Paul and as we get ready to wrap up on this Easter weekend, I think it would be fitting if we allowed our final words to come from the Savior that Paul was following. Let's hear it from Jesus. Jesus says, because the tomb is empty, there's one more thing you need to know. Jesus says, because the tomb is empty, I can live a full life. I can live a full life. John chapter 10, Jesus says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to about the halfway mark, just under happy, but not quite at overjoyed. Is that what your Bible says? I have come that they may have life and have it to about the three-quarter mark because I wouldn't want them to get any higher than that because then that they'd get all joyful and I just want to kind of keep them down, contained, safe. I believe it says, I have come that they may have it life and have it to the full. To the full, overflowing out of the top. I will tell you something. A life full of Jesus is not full of trouble. Or sorry, it's not free of trouble. It's full of divine help. A life full of Jesus is not free of hard questions. It's full of godly answers. A life full of Jesus is not free of struggle. It's full of God's strength and support. A life full of Jesus, it's not perfect. It's his and his alone. Some of you are skeptical. Some of you look at everything that I've said and and what's running in your head right now is something I'm very familiar with. You're saying to yourself, it just seems too good to be true. It is. It's too good to be true. That's what makes it amazing. God says, you don't get what you deserve for what you've done. Instead, I'm going to give you something different. I'm going to give you grace, mercy, forgiveness, and hope. I'm going to exchange what in you is empty for something that's full. It is too good to be true. It's salvation. It's forgiveness. Some people, I I just, how is it possible? I have a two-word explanation for the whole thing. Jesus saves. Jesus saved me. Jesus saved Terry. Jesus saved Massimo. Jesus saved Derek and Rich in Ferndale. Jesus saved John. Jesus saved Andy. Jesus saved Phil. Jesus saved. It is too good to be true. And as we reach this point in the service, I have to say this I have no idea how your heart is today. I have no idea how how you came spiritually to Easter weekend at Christ the King, but I can tell you something Jesus does. I know that many of you are full because of Jesus. That's why you're here. You're not perfect, but you're full. You're full of God's love, God's acceptance, full of God's grace, full of God's mercy, and you are just somewhat giddy and beside yourself Easter weekend, and nobody truly understands why. It's because you know the truth of two words. Jesus saved. Many of you are full, but I know that many of us actually feel empty. I did, I felt incredibly empty. And this weekend, because the tomb is empty, I want to give you an opportunity to be full. I want to give you an opportunity to exchange an empty life for a full one. Some of you are already going, time out, time out, Grant. You have no idea what I've done. I don't have any idea what you've done, but I know two words. Jesus saves. No matter what you've done, no matter how far you've wandered, whether you grew up in the church or just showed up, there's still two words for each of us this Easter. Jesus saves. So in a moment, we're going to pray. And we're going to ask Jesus to change us. We're going to exchange something that's empty for something that's abundantly full. If you came today and you were honest about the condition of your soul, this is your moment. This is your moment when you can know the God who's sponsoring Easter again this year. This is a moment when you can go from empty to full. I'm going to ask everyone to bow their head and close their eyes, and we're going to pray together. Those of you that are joining us in Ferndale, same thing. Would you bow your head and close your eyes right now? Nobody's looking around. Nobody's moving around. There's no distractions happening. If you came empty and you heard the words that Jesus says, you can accept him as your Lord and your Savior and your King tonight. Right now, in this moment, today, it can be yours. So if you're empty, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me down in the bottom of your soul where the empty really is pray together Jesus I'm empty and I need you to fill me I believe Jesus died on the cross for me that he's living today and that he can hear this prayer right now Jesus I ask for your forgiveness I've done things my way and it just left me feeling empty So I ask you to come into my heart to rule and reign from this day forward. Jesus, would you fill me with your love? Fill me with your grace. Give me forgiveness for the past and hope for the future. I give my life to you. I give my future to you. And I pray this in the name of the one who said I could be full. In Jesus' name. As we continue to pray with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer, Jesus said, you're saved. And he's beginning to fill you, fill you with hope, fill you with grace fill you with love and mercy I'd never do anything to embarrass you but I'd love to know if you made that decision on this Easter weekend so whether you're in Ferndale or in Bellingham if you prayed that prayer would you just slip your hand straight up in the air so that I can see it just stick it straight up God bless you and you and God bless you and God bless you God bless you in the back God bless you up here at the front God bless you God bless you, right in the middle of that back section. God bless you. God bless those of you in Ferndale. God bless you, young man. Jesus, thank you for those who've taken you at their word. God, you said that they could be full. And they've believed you and reached for you, and I thank you so much that when they reach for you, you reach back. So God, would you help us in this moment? Thank you that Jesus saves. Thank you that you're still in the world today. Thank you that you are alive and well. We will give you all of the praise and all of the glory for this good work that's been done. We pray this in your precious son's name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Here at the Bellingham campus, at the Ferndale campus, would you stand with me for just a moment? You see, there's moments when we make really big spiritual decisions. And the enemy of our soul, he loves to come and discourage us and tell us it wasn't real. He likes to get in the way. He likes to start whispering stuff. And sometimes we're able to go this far. But we never have that moment when we step across the line fully. When we make a decision and then we seal it inside of our heart. And I know this is going to seem strange for some of you, but I just hope you'll just kind of walk with me and trust me just a little bit in this moment. From from somebody who's been saved too. In a few moments, you did something courageous by raising your hand. I'm going to ask you to do something crazy courageous. In a few moments at the Fermill campus and at the Bellingham campus, if you made that decision, I'm going to ask you to do something. Just hold on for a second. But I'm going to ask you to seal that decision by stepping out of your seat and coming down here to the front. I know it's intimidating, but I want you to know something. The reason it's intimidating is because you don't know who these people are that are around you. You see, if you knew who they were, it wouldn't freak you out because the people that are around you, this is your family. These are your brothers and your sisters. They love you. They would protect you. They would always watch over you because you're family now. Because they're just a group of people who know two words. Jesus saves. So I'm going to ask you to do something unbelievably courageous. If you raised your hand, would you step out of your seat? And just come down here to the platform because I'd love an opportunity to shake your hand and welcome you into the family. And then this is what's going to happen. We're going to move up that aisleway, We're going to go to the meeting place. We just want to get to know your name and we want to give you a Bible. I'll promise you something about that room. No one will do anything weird. I promise you it's not going to happen. So if you made the decision right now, would you do something courageous? Step out of your seat and just come right down here and shake my hand. Just start moving out of the back. There they're coming. Awesome. Awesome. I love you, awesome. We're going that way. Awesome. You just come right here because I just want to say hey, you're good. God bless you. God bless you. Because you're gonna go with Pastor Felix. He's going right there. God bless you. Awesome. God bless you guys. God bless you. You're going with Pastor Felix right there. God bless you, too. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. We're not done yet, church. Keep coming. Come here. God bless you. Okay, God bless you. We're going that way to Pastor Henry. That's Pastor Mark He's coming right behind you. Awesome. Awesome. If you're in Ferndale right now and this is going on deep inside of your heart, Pastor Rich is right at the front of the church and I want you to make a beeline for him right now. I'm going to turn it over to the campus pastor in Ferndale. Derek, would you take it away, please? Thank you for letting me do that. I appreciate it. We're trying to do churches in two places at one time what it's all about. Because of two words. Jesus saves. I'm so glad that you decided to come this weekend. You have to go home. I get to do this three more times. And it's so worth it. Because God is so busy in Whatcom County. Amen? So unbelievably busy. Would you take a seat for just...